When we think of the future of leadership in sales, what, or rather who, do we see? Women in Sales Everywhere and Sales Loft have teamed up to answer this question, and let me assure you, there's no doubt that the future is female. I'm Sydney Sloan, Chief Marketing Officer at Sales Loft. And I'm Alex Adamson, Executive Director of Women in Sales Everywhere. We'll be sitting down with each outstanding female leader on our inaugural Future Female CROs list to discuss everything from their sales philosophies to how they keep their lives organized to how they unwind after a breakneck day. Together, we'll dig into exactly what makes each of these women so extraordinary. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to our special edition of the Hey Salespeople podcast. Today, we are chatting with Jess Kleck of SalesLoft. My name is Alex Adamson, and I am the executive director at WISE. And I'm Sydney Sloan. And a surprise, we're doing a uh, Alex and Sydney co-host with Jess. So this is a definitely special edition with the three of us getting to chat. I am the CMO at SalesLoft, and it's my great honor in life to work with Jess Kleck. She is the SVP of financial services at SalesLoft, where she is tasked with building out the company's first vertical. Jess is passionate about being an advocate and voice for women in business and is the co-chair of our Women's Integrated Network at SalesLoft. Her superpower, we titled you the team building titan. And I can personally attest to the power of hashtag team Jess. As she sets up new teams, takes on new challenges, build out new verticals, all the while raising her four-year-old son and being a famous, semi-famous Instagrammer with her decorating skills. How does she do it all? Well, we'll dive into that. Unsurprisingly, though, the key is great planning. And I think you didn't say this, but having a zest for life and just being really into everything that she does. So can't wait to get this conversation started. Welcome, Jess. Thank you. What an introduction. I am thrilled to be here. I have a zest for life, Sid, and a zest for talking about what's important to women and everyone uh, when it comes to sales and how to balance life while you're doing it. Perfect. Well, we're going to get right into it because I know there's going to be lots of topics, but we do have a tradition with Hey Salespeople, as you know, is sometimes co-host. And so in this time, we get to turn the table on you and start with what is a book or podcast that you're currently using for inspiration? So I have a book that I recommend always. It's sort of my guiding light for sales, which is Growth Mindset. And by Susan Dweck, I recommend it all the time. It is literally my Bible. Whenever I'm sort of doubting strategy, I go back to that. So it's kind of a constant read for me. I recommend it to a ton of people. Also, if you haven't read Untamed by Glennon Doyle, also an incredible book, That's also kind of a life Bible that gets me through on those days. So those two in conjunction together are kind of my all-time go-tos. Bibles for women leaders in sales. Write those down. The second question that uh, we like to ask is, what was your first job in sales? I would say my first job in sales was creating the Babysitter's Club that I did when I was young. Alex has actually heard this story before, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really where I cut my teeth in sales, which was understanding that I wanted to sort of own my own destiny and I wanted to get paid to do it. And so I rallied the girls in the neighborhood to kind of create a babysitting club and we monetized it and we had money for the summer, which was great. But yeah, I mean, I think every job I've ever had since then has always had an element of sales to it. 
And Jess, the first time I heard the Babysitter's Club story was when we were launching Chicago as a market for WISE. You were one of one of our panelists, and you've since become kind of a cult favorite in the WISE community. Um, I think you are the the most prevalent speaker that we've had. But when you look back at your career and, and been in multiple different jobs with companies at all different stages and sizes, what are some of the most pivotal moments that, that you look back on? I think every transition from company to company and role to role is important. I think one of the most pivotal moments, though, was the transition from being an individual contributor to a leader. No one sort of prepares you for that transition. Like I, I had many experiences where I'd oftentimes think, that doesn't look hard. I mean, what does my manager even do? Like they're not making calls. They're always in meetings. Like what are these meetings? And I just, I took notes on sort of the things I loved about the great leaders I had and the things that I just despised about the leaders that I thought were really bad. But with all of that life experience, transitioning from an IC where you completely control your own destiny. I mean, I was always team focused and collaborative, but I was really just steering the ship for myself. And when you come into leadership, it is completely a different world. Like you go to the bottom of the list and everybody else becomes the top of your list. And so it's a reprioritization of your needs and wants with your team's needs and wants and desires. And then no one prepares you for the amount of psychology and (laughs) therapy sessions that are required as a leader, not just, you know, from top down, but cross-functionally and managing up. There's a lot of therapy that happens. And I think those are the moments that as you go forward in your sort of leadership path, you get more prepared and better prepared to have those conversations. Probably one of the best learning experiences of my life but really pivotal as it changed sort of the way that I think about careers and sales in general. I agree. And I think that it's interesting. This is some of those times where I'm like, being in a big company to get the training on how to be a great manager is actually a really good thing. And if you don't, then make sure you set aside the time to either find a mentor that can help you or take the time to go read and learn because it is a totally different skill set. Two other things that I advise a lot, Jess, on that, everything you said, 100%. The other one is you have to learn how to delegate. Just because you take on more people doesn't mean you take on their work too. And I see so many times high-performing ICs take on the work of their team versus empowering their team. Nobody wants to be micromanaged, right? So you have to learn delegation as a skill and empowerment as a perspective And then trust, deep trust, because ultimately you're going to have to hold your teams accountable. I was interviewing Laura Palmer recently, and she's like, sometimes you got to give them a hug and sometimes you got to give them a swift kick in the butt with all the empathy and love that you have, right? But, you know, that team dynamic and how you form the team is so important. I'm I'm going to go back to a little bit back to your your story. You talked about being in the babysitter's club. And one of the things that I found out um, now working in the sales industry is, what skills make a great seller and what backgrounds? Because a lot of times you can't go to school to get a sales degree. And so uh, interestingly, recruiters and teachers tend to be high performing, great backgrounds. Which one of those were you? (laughs) Both, actually. Oh, really? Okay. I went to school to be a teacher and my first job out of college was full cycle recruiting which is sales and recruiting. So there you go. Yeah, I backed up your data, Sid. 
Yeah. So I, I went to school to be a teacher. That's what my mom told me I should be. That's what my grandma told me I should be. I love a teaching moment. I love the opportunity to see the light bulb go off. And for me, I thought teaching was going to be it. Now, when I went to student teach, I was placed in a rural place. I won't even name the town, but a rural school uh, with some very vibrant seventh grade boys that I quickly realized at 21, I did not have the patience and or empathy required to, to do them justice to serve them the way that they should be served as a teacher. So I quickly pivoted like everybody does. And I landed in sales in my first job. So yeah, my background was to be a teacher. But I think having that background and sort of those teaching philosophies has served me really, really well when it comes to coaching and developing others. And I also think it's come in handy as a seller when I think about the types of conversations I would have with my customers right? Like really, really listening and then really teaching back to what matters to them, right? Really identifying what's the so what, who cares? And I think as a teacher, you try and take complex ideas and boil them down into bite-sized pieces that are, you know, engageable, learnable. That's how I coach my team. That's how I coach my customers. So it's, it's served me really well. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of teachers out there that uh, would make excellent sales leaders, because a lot of it is teaching and empathy and understanding. I couldn't agree more. Some of the the most talented people I've worked with in my career started doing Teach for America out of school because there is that amazing level of empathy. They have a really good sense of when someone needs a solution or if they need a shoulder. Um, And I think that can sometimes be a tricky part of sales. It can sometimes be a very tricky part of management. I want to talk a little bit about this team building titan which as you were, you're so dubbed on the list. You talked a little bit about growth mindset earlier and the book that you love. And I think growth mindset has a couple of different definitions. How do you think about defining growth mindset in the context of sales leadership? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I leverage growth mindset in a lot of ways that I approach life. But I think from a leadership perspective, sales is innately ego-driven. The ego is driving the salesperson. The ego is driving the sale. Uh, The ego is the customer's needs and wants. And I think innate ability is really important as a salesperson and when you're interacting with your customers. But how I build teams is around the foundation. And this is where growth mindset comes in is hard work. I'll take hard work, strategy, uh, feedback, open to feedback, iteration, anytime over innate talent, because that's a finite thing. And when you have a growth mindset, you're open to evolving and learning and growing and not staying stagnant, right? You're always, you're in evolution. And I think in sales, like that's how even our platform was developed. It was an evolution of sales and an evolution of this vertical. I think about that from building my team? Like, am I going to hire a bunch of people and lead them if they're not willing to grow and evolve? And I've seen this a ton. There's a lot of lifetime ICs. And, you know, at certain companies I had worked at in the past, that was deemed a bad thing. It was a bad thing if you wanted to stay in your role. Now, I disagree with that. I think you can stay in your role as long as you want, as long as you continually grow and challenge yourself and evolve. 
where you see those top reps that they're uncoachable, right? They're like, no, I got this. My process works. I've been number one. Those are the people that I try and move off my team. <laughs> it's a bit toxic for your culture, right? Because they're not, they're not willing to evolve. And though they might be, you know, one of the top sellers out there, I don't think it's great for teams. I don't think it's great for culture. You've always got to be coaching. I, I was taught at LinkedIn that feedback is a gift. And I firmly believe that if we're not open to feedback, then we're not open to growing. So when I think about leadership and growth mindset, that kind of comes into play. I also think about it a lot when I'm parenting my son and I'm like, okay, (laughs) growth mindset, willing to grow, willing to learn. I'm doing most of the growing and learning on the parent side. So I'm sure you can agree with that. Absolutely. And one of the things that we do is this idea um, of a top grade interview and why that is so important. And I think that's a good way to test. Does someone have a growth mindset? So basically it's an interview that you start at their beginning and you kind of track the path of their career of basically you start at high school. Why did you select you know, the college you went to? And, and you're basically looking for patterns and you can tell if someone is learning and changing. If they tell a story about their earlier life and then they've evolved and, you know, I learned that from this person, I learned that from that person, or did they just repeat behavior over and over again? And gosh, you know, my boss never got a, never understood me. And then the next job, my boss never understood me. And the next job, okay, that's a pattern, probably one that's not going to, you know, be coachable out of, because I'm guessing, you know, that that's been something they've been working on or to even acknowledge what they're working on when you're interviewing people. Like, what are you working on right now? What, what were you most proud of in terms of your accomplishments in the last time that you wrote a personal development plan? Those are ways that you can seek those concepts out. In that spirit, Jess, in terms of learning and growth, what did you learn last year? Obviously, we all learned a lot of lessons very, very hard, whether or not we wanted to. But what did you learn most about yourself as a leader? Yes, we all learned quite a bit. I learned how to binge watch lots of Netflix. (laughs) I learned how many different types of exercise and diets I could employ. I digress. What did I learn about myself? I learned that you can actually accomplish quite a lot without having that human interaction. That was probably the most surprising thing I learned because I have been traveling. God, I'm going to age myself here, but I have been traveling face-to-face to meet with customers for the last 18 years. And I was a diehard road warrior, fully thinking you cannot accomplish multi-million dollar deals, massive partnerships, lands and expands without being on site. And nor could your reps, you certainly couldn't lead a team to do that. And what I learned through just creating a culture of support and vulnerability and allowing everybody to just be their whole selves at work that we accomplished more last year than we ever have. So I think it's a real silver lining to what 2020 was, but we crushed it at work. And my team was incredible and amazing and they supported one another We all cried together. We laughed together. We cooked together. We did a Zumba class together via Zoom. I mean, it was a lot of togetherness, but I think because we were able to be so vulnerable with one another, we accomplished more than we ever could have. I think the vulnerability is something that that people are starting to get more and more comfortable with at work. And it's one of Sales Loft's, I don't know if it's a value or or one of the mission statements is bringing your whole self to work. I think it's inherent in, in our culture. So it's, we don't call it out, but it is so tra- like transparency and openness and 
is just how we roll. We don't even, it isn't even one of our cultural values, frankly. It's just how, how we lead. I mean, even from an outside perspective, it's been something to really admire. And, and you know, I think it probably gave the team a leg up in a year that was really tricky for, for a lot of folks. You know, staying on that topic, Jess, you had a very busy year outside of work. You're a mom, you're a wife, you just finished building a beautiful new home. You've been doing it all and managing it, at least from our perspective, beautifully. So what are some of your tips for doing all of this and juggling everything? Oh, thank you. Yes, it's always the external. It looks beautiful, but it's a beautiful mess, right? It really is. I I think I've said this before to you, Alex. I don't subscribe to balance or harmony when people say like work-life balance. What I subscribe to is intentionality. And what I will not do is succumb to mommy guilt or work guilt, right? Like I'm intentional with my time and I'm thoughtful about it. So with that, there are trade-offs, right? So the trade-off of me saying I'm prioritizing work this week, I have a lot to accomplish and I'm going to need to be focused. That means I'm deprioritizing time with my son and I'm deprioritizing decorating. (laughs) I'm deprioritizing making dinner and spending time with my husband, but that is an intentional process. And then my husband will pick up the slack during those times. And when he's intentional about needing to focus here or there, then I pick up the slack. And that's what's great about having a true partnership. If you don't have a partnership, that's okay too. I still think being intentional with your time is really how to make it work. And you have to be okay with the trade-off. I, it took me a long time to feel okay with the trade-off. Um, even before I was a mom, like, you know, there was always that one person that you'd get the email at 10.30 and they'd reply at 10.30 and a half, right? And you're like, oh God, so-and-so's so much more into this job than I am because they're like so much more willing to reply in an instant. And then as I grew older, I was like, that doesn't make that individual a better leader than me or a better whatever than me. It just means that that's what they're choosing to focus their time on at 10.30 and a half. And I'm choosing intentionally to watch Bravo or something else. <laughs> but I think juggling is a, it's a great visual because that's how I feel a lot of the times, but um, there's intentionality and thoughtfulness behind it. I feel you on so many different levels on that one. Oh my gosh. I think too, you know, really thinking about celebrating, don't feel guilt and then make sure that you're celebrating all those different aspects you know, I learned that a while ago too. I I don't know, maybe five years ago for me, where it was like, just being present, give the gift of presence when you're doing what you're doing. So if you're at work, throw on your headphones, be totally focused. I know that's hard with so many distractions. I have two teenagers, you know, but when you're with your kids, put your phone down. And maybe that's how I got rid of the guilt. I used to have it. And a good friend of mine told me that like, you know, the kids aren't going to remember when you left to go jump on the plane they're going to remember that you love them, that you paid attention to them. They're going to remember the, the moment, those moments, such great advice. And I know for many you know, younger women in their careers that are deciding whether or not to have kids, can I do it all? Absolutely, you can. You don't have to, but absolutely you can. I mean, we're resilient creatures and we have capacity and you just have to learn how to turn it on and turn it off. And it's a gift to be able to have those choices. You know, you're also spent a lot of time, you didn't mention this, but I know this for a fact in the community and in our women in revenue community and the wise community, you know, you're always there. You're always willing to help lift each other up. And that's so important. 
And so we, we have these women that are asking about reaching a point where they feel like they have to choose between starting a family and continuing their career. And you've done it beautifully. I'm sure you get asked this question a lot. I get asked this question a lot. What do you tell them? What's your advice? My advice for that is it's never going to be the right time. People say that all the time. It's not the right time. You know what? It's never the right time. It is never the right time to have a baby. It is never the right time to switch jobs. It is never the right time to take a vacation. But you have to couple that with prioritization and maturity. And that's honestly the way that I look at it. For me, I prioritized a career and that's what I wanted. And I wasn't going to make excuses for why I was married early, but didn't have a child till 10 years later. I balanced that with maturity, which is I was not prepared to be a mom at 24, 25, 27, 31, 33. I was prepared later in life. And that that worked for us. That might not work for everybody, but for me, that's what worked. So I prioritized sort of knowing who I was at that time and what I wanted and went from there. Once you figure out what you want and you set your true north, everything else really will fall into place. It always makes me sad when I see women struggling with career or family. And we've sort of been brainwashed that you should have one or the other. But the reality is, is we can have it all. Men can have it all too, right? Men can be dads and work. Women can be moms and work. Everyone can be everything. It's just, again, comes back to intentionality. What's your intent behind the things that you're doing? So yes, we can have it all. We can do it all. It takes hard work. It's a growth mindset. Circling full back. Hard work. Take feedback find mentors, find friends. Uh, That's my other, I think, key point. I could not get through life without my girlfriends. I love my husband. He's great. But my soulmates are my girlfriends. And that's how I get through life and make hard choices. You have mentors and you have friends and you need both. But for me, when you think about how do you do it all beautifully, I have a hella support system that holds me up when I need it. That's so incredible. And, and, you know, I think that mental and emotional health piece is so important to make sure that you're doing all of these other facets of your, of your life. Well, the gas tank might be full or empty in in different portions, but prioritizing and and having intentionality, I think that is an incredible takeaway. Makes so much sense. So on that note, when you're not with the family, when you're not working, where would we find you? Oh, I love this question. Well, if it's not watching Bravo or Netflix, it would be designing the next home or next room. I think I miss my calling as an interior designer. I love a good project. I love Architectural Digest. Um, I am always checking out like new kitchen hardware and whatnot. So yeah, I would. that's where you find me. Probably with a great glass of wine as well. Or you might find me at the Four Seasons, as Sydney knows, in bar. Love a good dirty martini uh, martini off menu for sure. Perfect. All right. Well, I knew this was going to happen. This went so fast and it was amazing insight, but I do want to land on on one question, one that I did not give you in advance. So (laughs) I know you're going to handle it just fine though. So first of all, just congratulations again on making the list of future female CROs. I truly believe that will be you very soon. One day, I hope to still be a part of your world when that happens. And when you think about that, like that idea, first of all, is that your goal? We, we named you. I don't know if that's actually what you want to achieve. But if you think about what success looks like for you, Jess, what does that look like? Oh, wow. Yeah, I certainly think my next step will be into a CRO role. I 
I'm really excited about everything I've learned to this date. And I'm excited to share that and transform a revenue organization and help make a bigger impact on whatever it is that we might be doing. But success for me is when I look back, when I'm 85 years old, did I live a good life? Will people remember me in a positive light? Will they remember that I made an impact on them? Will they remember that I was a good human and someone that they enjoyed being around? To me, that success. Will my child be successful and happy and know that he was loved? Yeah, for me, success doesn't really have a whole ton to do about my job, but a lot more to do about the impact that I leave on people. Jess, you have been so full of amazing, not only one-liners, but insight and wisdom. Thank you for for chatting with us today. For folks who might be interested in following your career, um, seeing what you're up to, how can they get in touch with you? Yes, I'm on, as we know, I'm on all the socials. Um, I am at Jessica Kleck on Instagram and on Twitter. No, sorry, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, I'm at JSKleck. And you can always reach me at jess.kleck at salesloft.com. Congrats again on, on this amazing career that you've had. We're so excited to have you on the list. Thank you to everyone listening, and we will see you soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. This was Sales Loft and Wise's Future Female CROs. Check back next week for another episode featuring an outstanding female CRO of tomorrow. And until next time, this was Sydney Sloan from Sales Loft. And Alex Adamson from Women in Sales Everywhere.